There's a few, but a lot less than its competitors. You talking candy bars or something? Oh, you're close. Not candy bars. The following audio is the expressed opinions of the hosts and guests and do not reflect investment advice or recommendations of any kind. All funny jokes are just jokes, so don't get it twisted. Okay. I know I'm showing up to this podcast. You're seeing me right now. You're <laughs> thinking, man, this guy, he's a little beat up. I busted my lip right there. Can you see that? Yeah. That right there, I'm taking a worse beating than the market right now. And the market is getting hammered. Well, I thought you were going to say you popped in the ring with Jake Paul. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, there are all these books about how to make a million dollars as fast as possible. That's it. Get into boxing and somehow fight Jake Paul. And you're going to make more money than you'll know what to do with. But no, beat up face right here. I have this cut up lip. I like jammed my neck. It's all from this basketball league that I was talking to you about that. You know, I I go hard. I'm not the best player, but I just love catching <laughs> elbows in the face and getting trampled over by these giant dudes. And there's a ton of, okay, I'll just be honest. There's a ton of huge podcasters that are just playing basketball, that are just in this like founders kind of like pickup league. Hey, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you telling me podcasters are people too? <laughs> yeah, they're not AI hologram. Yeah, yeah, I'm mind blown already. Continue. Yeah, so we play basketball. Play basketball every Tuesday at an undisclosed location, and it starts at five thirty. You play for two hours nonstop because it's usually about ten guys, so you just always have to keep playing. And I'm getting rocked, but you can. I mean, there's a ton of big people in Austin that have podcasts and following. And uh, they are there. Is this indoor or outdoor? It is indoor. Yeah. So thank God you got some air conditioning and stuff for playing basketball in Austin. But man, I I came home last night and my wife is just, you can't move. Like you need a wheelchair. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not even 30 years old and moving as if I got hit by a tank, which I kind of did. This guy's mad. But, you know, at least in my opinion, I say I'm getting beat up worse than the market. I think the market might actually take my money from me. Uh, I, they are down. Let's see this. This is what you and I were going to talk about. Market-wise, it peaked July 28th and uh, down 7.3% since then. It's up over 11% year to date. But, dude, that is a massive pullback. Not good. You said. Kind of following what you had said a month ago or two months ago. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, You're recording. Did you say I was right about something? Possibly. Possibly. So I don't know why you're surprised. Like you should just be kind of hanging out, chilling, relaxing, all cool, shooting some people. Yeah. I, I'll say this. I think it is a massive pullback. And the fear index is definitely sky high. But I really hope the market bounces back another 6 to 7%. I really do think it'll end somewhere around that 18% range. September, historically, is a really bad month for the market. And we're finishing that up. And it's just god-awful right now. Ugh. What you're learning, I think, is... Uh, yeah, September, October is never fun. Um what I think you're learning both through basketball and the market is uh, Kawhi's, Kawhi's style. Load management, baby. Load management. Don't you ever bring up his name in front of me or on the podcast. <laughs> I, you are dead. You do not care about that. Sorry, guy. Paul George. Let's go Paul George. Let's go load management. Paul George, Mr. PG. Okay. Uh, yeah, man. When you're getting beat up. Uh, sometimes treasury bonds are a nice little load management there for you. There it is. That's what we talked about last time. I think it's a pretty good strategy. You just start rolling those puppies and, you know, your cash starts. The fans don't love it. The fans do not love it. Oh. But it's load management for you. Mm-hmm. Speaking of treasuries, have you been keeping up 
two-year tenure, what they've been doing this week? Uh, no, not really. I just buy my little short terms two weeks out. Not watching the long term. But I did see that Bill Ackman put a big bet shorting the uh, long term. Yeah. yeah. Do you have more info on that? Because I didn't really read up on it. Um, I don't have any dollar amounts or any value like that, but I know that it makes a ton of sense. It's like very obvious. He's just betting on a correction of the yield curve, right? The yield curve will no longer be inverted. The long-term yields will have to go over five and a half or over 6% at least. Mm. Uh, and so yields at three and a half, four percent two percentage points on a long-term yield bond, significant move in price. So interesting. You know, they can't adjust, they don't just adjust the interest rate on those bonds, 30-year bonds. They don't just adjust the interest rate. And so the only way to get the yield to adjust to the proper yield is for the price to go down um, to the point that it should be. And so, yeah. yep, you short those bonds. He's betting on all kinds of weird things. I think, you know, he always has a longer explanation than I think is necessary. I think the easiest explanation is just betting on a return to a normal yield curve. Um but, uh, you know, he adds like, oh, there's a ton of government spending and it's not slowing down. And China is a net seller, not a net purchaser of treasuries now. And all kinds of stuff like that that are going to end up driving the interest rates higher because the government's going to have to incentivize people to purchase their debt. Um, yeah. And so either way, I think it's an absolutely correct call. I think it's like it's the equivalent of Babe Ruth calling his shot. It just makes a ton of sense that the home runs come in. Uh, so anyway, that's what you were going on. So what else, what's the movement? What have you seen? I mean, they're just so far apart and they just seem to be completely uncoupled from equities market. Totally. Yeah. You're just kind of lost in a, okay, this has no correlation between everything else that I've studied and they just seem to be dictated upon whatever the Fed is going to put out and then understanding of interest rates. And if they're going to pause like they did, which was super great, but then they say interest rates are going to stay high for a much, much longer time, then it's just, I don't know. They keep going in a direction that isn't mathematically affiliated or associated with equities. And so I've just spent a ton of time deep diving into, okay, if two year goes down and 10 year goes up or vice versa, or they start to meet, I mean, huge indication of recession, but that's been the case when they're more aligned with whatever equities have done. And right now it's just, it's a crapshoot. Like you're just shooting a 12 gauge into the air and that's, you can just pick up a pellet and think that's what it should be, but it makes no sense. Yeah. I think that they are, they're definitely related, but um, you got to think of who the players are, you know, like the players in long-term treasuries are not uh, individual stock buyers. And mostly it's also not like retirees or, or retirement accounts, like what's in the yeah. stock, like what's buying ETFs. It's generally like insurance companies, large pension funds, and very large hedge funds that are doing different hedging strategies for it, right? Using it for different hedging strategies. And so you got to think like, I, the reason, uh, first thing I want to start at is the question of like when the two-year meets the 10-year. Um, if the two-year is rising and is going up and the 10-year is going down or staying where it is, that's kind of an indication of a recession coming. What it means is you have short-term uh, yields going higher, which means an insurance company that maybe has variable rates on things or mortgage companies or somebody that has variable rates on things, they are now having to pay higher and they're getting less from the long-term yields that they've bought, from, from assets they've bought on long-term. Eventually, they have to stop eating losses and sell everything that's out at the 10-year range and start rebuying at higher interest rates so that they can just level out their incomes. When they do that, all that was all that they held out in the 10 year, the prices stop start going down until the yields kind of match. Um, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but what it is is it's people selling the long term in order to stop taking losses. 
yeah. vice versa, where we're at right now is, I mean, that's kind of, I guess, where we're at right now, where people, there were two ways for the yield curve to correct. The first way was for the Fed to cut short-term interest rates. Right. Um, they cut it to below what long-term interest rates were. They've come out, they said they're not going to do that. And so now, all these people who are, you know, paying out 5%, but only receiving 2% or 1%, they're going to have to start selling. Like they're going to have no other choice. And so when that happens, the prices of the long terms will go down, just like Bill Ackman said. Things will correct and everything will go back to normal. But you notice in that entire explanation, there's no real like, no real mention of what they're doing in the equities markets. Insurance companies do not give a shit about the equities markets. They don't. Yeah. I'm sure Hathaway, Warren Buffett did it. And he's like a savant because they're like, oh my God, he invested all of his stuff in, you know, he took on liabilities uh, for insurance and put all of that in Coca-Cola. That's crazy. Um, They are all in bonds. And so the the reason there's such a disconnect is because the real players who are really suffering and really making moves in bonds do not care about the equities markets and vice versa. The equities markets, people who care about the equities markets are making moves in equities markets do not care about the yield the yield change. So it's almost like trying to take real estate buyers, people who make transactions in real estate and make judgments on SMBs because of that. Yeah. No. On this cigar. Yeah. And I mean seeing everything crazy go on in the market right now and as we're talking I just have everything pulled up. There's a huge spike in something going on today. So over the last, I don't know, 15 minutes, I feel like the market just waits to listen to our podcast live. It's gone up like a full point right now. We're in the last 30 minutes, I should say. But you're getting, because of the slaughter over, you know, the last month, two months, I should say, like big companies like AMC and Open Door are just getting slaughtered. Just yeah. horribly. And I mean, it's it's bad. Like AMC was at fifty dollars a share, fifty one, kind of back may or no, it popped to fifty eight and it's down to seven dollars a share today. Are we talking about meme stock AMC though? We're talking about meme stocks. No, no, no. Yeah. But we're talking about meme stocks. And I do want to bring up the great movie coming out called Dumb Money. Very excited to see that. Very excited to see that because it's just gonna it's gonna be such a dramatization and Hollywood version of like what happened and all these big players make it so the little guy feels listened to and seen and heard, which is good, you know. But at the same time, like Robin Hood and all these other custodians that are just raced to zero on trading commissions and fees, but they're making their money from uh, the hedge firms. What's the name? Citrus. Selling order flow. Yes. Selling order flow. And then like just halting trades all entirely based off these stocks that just jumped up because people just put their money in because they started to treat the investing like gambling. So let's say you played the investing game with AMC. If you're smart, you would have just bought a bunch of puts on AMC. And then you'd be cleaning up heavily right now. Uh, but what a lot of people just don't do that. They'll just buy or sell the stock and they just look at AMC and they're like, oh man, it was $30 last week and now it's 50. Let me buy before it gets to 200 next week, you know? And those people are losing house and home, everything else. Same thing with Pandora, same thing with Marathon. Wait, can we make a, can we make a slight, uh, pronouncement? Please. If you leave from dumb money and you feel seen you probably are dumb money. <laughs> it's weird. There's, there's actually something sick about the name, making the name and then having people feel seen. Like it literally is like a joke to people like, Hey, you might be dumb money. Um, but yes. Yeah. It's those people, right? It's those people who do exactly what you just said. Yeah. Right? But at the same time, I mean, these stocks are such like market riders, like AMC was at $40 a share 
And then the market really popped up in June, July, and it got all the way up to $58 a share. So this one stock gained 46% almost. That's what I'm seeing right here. And people see that and they're like, boom, I'm in. Market's getting hot. We're good. Inflation's totally solved. Yeah, we're fine. The Fed is going to pause and then lower interest rates. So I'm just going to hop into the stock and be fine. But they are the most volatile and then just huge exposure to market movements to follow suit. Market jumps up, it's going to exponentially jump up. If the market really starts to burn, it's going to go down 80% like it did right here in just two months, which is stupid. Yes. Agreed. Um, the meme stocks though, like I feel like there is a element of they follow the market because and, uh, somehow all of this in my mind comes back to all of the technical analysis pros and being like, oh, I'm going to do technical analysis and, and following the technical analysis. Like I think, I think right now, Technical analysis for ETFs is hot. For the S P five hundred is hot. It's working, right? The momentum trading is working, and because of that, people expand it to all of these other areas like the meme stocks. Now, what's interesting about the meme stocks is the meme stocks have no volume from professionals. Professionals do not give a damn, um, and so it's all of the people playing technical analysis against each other, and so it ends up looking a lot like the general market, even though I don't think in reality they're market writers. And I say all this to say, there will come a time when the people writing the meme stocks will lose their money and they will no longer be market writers. Um, so the meme stocks being market writers hypothesis, I think will break and it will probably break relatively soon because of what you said, like things could go down 70% from here. Um, and so that's my hypothesis is that the, even though they look like market writers now, I think it's an artificial market writers because of the people who are messing around in them and it'll change. Yeah, you're right. And just to switch or change gears here, there's so much negativity right now in the market and people are upset and good old Jerome is making sure that everyone stays on their toes and even said in a in an answer to a question from a reporter we're not aiming for a soft landing and that made every investor pull their teeth out like why are you cranking inflation then the whole point is to avoid a recession if you want us to just hit the recession head on just leave interest rates where they were so i don't know it's either a cya move by jerome or something else entirely but people just get frustrated because there's such a non-correlation between interest rates right now and what he's doing and then equities. It's just frustrating. Um, but like I said, potential s switch gears mode. I know we've talked about AI on this podcast. We've talked about it a ton. For those listening to the podcast, this actually isn't my voice. I just typed something in to chat T and uh, I'm kidding. But and this actually isn't Braden. This is actually it actually isn't Braden. We're both sitting on the beach right now and just typed in one sentence into a program, and this is the whole podcast. No, there's this new development with ChatGPT or a couple of new ones. I don't know if you saw. It's gonna change up ton of I don't know, maybe some different sectors of jobs, i.e. design and um reporting, but do you see what ChatGPT did as like a competitor to Midjourney? Yeah. Or AI artwork, their new Dolly 3. I did not. It is out of this world to just type in one sentence statements or requests and AI generates a piece of art that blows your brain. It looks so good. It's amazing. It's what Midjourney has made all their money doing. It's just AI art. And now ChatGPT, OpenAI just made something that's better. And they have billions, billions of users. I don't know how many they have. They, they have to have over a billion. But they're just stacked. They're loaded. And they just came out with something that you and I have talked about 
and it's something I really want, would love to start this company, but have zero technical skill to do. ChatGPT can now use voice recognition and then speak back to you, just like Siri or Alexa or something else. Interesting. That's going to take off because they, if they're smart, if they're really, really good, they should create that first complete total virtual assistant. Yeah, they will. That's exactly where they're headed for sure. No, and that's what I want them to do. And I would pay so much money for that, really, because I think it's like the movie Her with Scarlett Johansson, Joaquin Phoenix, where he just falls in love with this stupid iPad or phone. There's court. Stop it here. Stop it here. <laughs> You're a married man. You're a married man. Do not fall in love with GPT. <laughs> exactly. No, I, but it's to the complete, hey, I want to go to the beach and find some restaurants for me, pick a reservation, and then buy some stuff off of Amazon so it arrives here in two days. And like the virtual assistant will just do that. And you do not think about it. Oh, man. It is always those tasks, too, that get you where it's like, oh, oh, we just went through one. So Megan's doing her second round of uh, baby shower. And it was like, oh, we got to go buy baby shower gifts and it was for hostess gifts. And it was like, okay, we got to get on Amazon. It would be so much better if you were just like, go buy this and send it here. And it just did it. And then you're like, all right, cool. I don't have to worry about anything. A hundred percent. And then you don't a worry about it. It's just there. And then you feel better about delegating it. And then you more superior and turn into a narcissist with every human being and interact with because you expect them to just obey you just like the new Siri will. Yep. And then that humanity and society into a burning hole forever. You're going to look so good while you do it, which is the main part. But that's exactly what I want is I think that little virtual assistant, everyone would pay thousands, tens of thousands of dollars for. And you can do something with it per year. Um, gosh. And just kind of consumes all my thoughts sometimes where it's like, man, I, I need all these things done. And if I could just tell them to somebody, like an assistant, I have an assistant, but there are things that I'm, I'd be like, Man, there's a, you know, wedding that I have to go to January of next year would really like someone to just get the flights, get the hotel, get everything else booked, right? And then they're a fraction of the cost of some assistant that probably charges 50, 60 grand a year. And I could pay, you know, five to 10 for this little virtual assistant. Totally would do that. It's coming. It's coming. And I know your day will be made. I, uh, I'm i kind of the opposite where like, I, I don't know, this is where me and you are different, right? You're kind of the guy that stresses out about the things that need to get done and like you're operational and you're trying to hit things. You probably even have a checklist. Me, I'm just like, eh, it'll come up. <laughs> and if it doesn't, it wasn't important. No, it's super fun. Like there's some awesome communication between you and I where I just, after speaking i just run my head into the wall <laughs> yeah and i just and i just talk to you and i just hear your engine just blowing out of your ears and i'm like yeah that's cool yeah, there's 16 steps to this we can knock it out right now and it's like big picture like yeah, the good <laughs> work itself out which means connor goes to work and then connor yeah. does. the big picture the big picture <laughs> big picture guy that's what a deep person says connor <laughs> A lazy person says. Is it? I'm big picture. I'm big picture guy. I'm big picture guy. Okay. So shout out to Michael Girdley. Super great guy. Fan of the pod. Really influential and genius down in San Antonio. Um, he posts stuff like that all the time. Like I'm big picture. I have a CEO. I buy up all these companies. But then he's just really good at hiring and then delegating everything. He's made posts about his chief of staff that he hired. And he's like, hey, this person isn't an assistant. They are the best systems, automation, organizer, operational person. And they just get it done because I can't get into the weeds, which that's you and me. And that's totally fine. Like you have, hey, this is kind of like the thing and this is what we're aiming for. 
And I'm like, that's great, but you're doing it wrong. And then I come in and I... And I'm smart. The the beautiful thing is that I finally wised up and got smart enough to just be like, yeah, if Connor wants to do it, just let him go do it. <laughs> if you said that's the way to do it, then go go get it done. Uh, 100% better. Like, we should add this software, use this automation, and then it's cake. But It's all about being eccentric and, and probably lazy. It's eccentric, lazy, big picture. That's it. That's where you need to realize this AI assistant new chat GPT Siri thing, whatever it will be, is my dream come true. Yep. Because then I can finally be like, that's me. I can just make a clone of myself to go do everything there. And then I get my time back. True. It's a very true. Yeah. In some weird paradox way, it'll probably make me super sad and frustrated because it's still an idol to just control it and then build it. It is. It is. And that's, that's what I was about to tell you is I've met the 50 year old version of you and he's awesome. Super successful guy lives out in Barton Creek. I mean, like very, very, very successful guy builds systems for tech companies as a consultant. Um, the dude just lives for operations. Like he, he has operations for his own prayer life where he has a app that he developed that helps him go through and it's pictures of people and what their prayer requests for and it's filtered by types of prayer requests so every day there's one for healing there's one for prosperity there's one for and every day on his walks he can walk through and click through the pictures and memorize it and then he also has one that he built for all of their families and stuff and like is he like huh is he technical is he code does he know how to build it all uh, I don't think he knows how to code. No, um, he's just operations and systems. Um, but I'm telling you, man, like I, I talked to him and I was just like, yeah, this is, this is Connor's future. This is, and so I say all of that to say like, dude, even if this AI thing gets built, you're going to use it like crazy, but you're never going to give up being the operations guy. Cause you just like, for some reason, just like it. Like, I don't know why you like it, but you just like it. Yeah. So, it's your unique ability, you know? I just want to talk to that guy so I can see what it's going to be like in 30 years. He seems awesome and happy. I'll have to get you guys introduced. Uh, so funny. He's so funny, man. Happiness is in my future, but good good for him. When we first met, when I first talked to him, I met him for coffee at a Starbucks. And literally, he sat down. He was like, 26 minutes. And I was like, what? He was like, 26 minutes. That's what NASA recommends their astronauts nap for in order to have the most efficiency whenever they nap in the middle of the day. So I've been taking 26-minute naps on my couch. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that, that's a few steps above me. So yeah. he sounds maybe a little OCD there. And the, I don't know. He's extreme, but he's something else, man. He really is. I was to have him on the pod then. Yeah, maybe we could. We should. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what he would talk about, but yeah, we could probably get him on the pod and interview him and talk to him. I mean, what would we talk about? He sat down and just gave you what that's ever. Yeah, I know. I would I'm, love I'm not going to lie too, dude. I actually tried taking 26 minute naps since then. I don't do it every day, but I'll just go lay down on my back on the, on the rug in the room and just 26 minute timer. Um, I just work out every afternoon. I'm like, get wired. Oh, pre-workout. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That's way to, That's one way to do it. Uh, that's total sarcasm. That's not safe or health. I mean, it's probably safe, but it's definitely not healthy for you. So don't mm-hmm. do it. Before you, you know, start lifting at six or seven in the morning, definitely do that. Yeah. Yes. Oh man. Well, yeah, I do. I do want to talk to this guy. He sounds pretty interesting. Uh, he might like my AI idea. If I could just convince him, like if he's that, that successful, I don't think it's hard to build something like this. It's definitely the hardest part is more interpreting and then execution from the AI standpoint. And I don't know anything about that. So maybe we're, we actually are years away from what that can be. And it's why chat GPT or open AI hasn't released that yet. That's fair, but I think we're close and that'll just print money. Yeah. I think it probably is just the interpretation. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and who knows? I mean, it will. A low print money, and I know people that want to invest in AI tools, um, but they wouldn't invest in our AI tools because they'd look at us and be like, 
y'all are just tools. And we'd be like, yeah. yeah. No, I've got like dozens of AI ideas. I, you know this all the time. I'm like, oh man, I had this. I know how to kind of do this part of it. But if I can make it better here, oh yeah, AI can do it. And it would okay. be genius thing. Like there's, gosh, what? Like somebody's at my door knocking at my door, which is very problematic. Here, I'm going to walk back as we go. Um, continue. This is great for the pod. The pod is No, really good content. Thanks, Brayden. Thank you very okay. much. Okay. It looks like they left. We're good. Yeah. I, you know, when you live in the woods and somebody comes and knocks on your door, you know it's intentional. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think they want to sell you a new roof. Yeah, no, we don't get that. That's for sure, which is nice. We don't get any door knocks for anything. Um, so it's rare. I see a guy walking in the yard right now. It looks like it, it probably was an Amazon delivery or something. He's just at the wrong house. So anyway, yeah. Well, way to survive, man. So glad that scary encounter is over with and you're not dead. Good for you. Um, back to reality, though, you know, if we're looking at the economy, which is what this whole podcast is about, and markets investing, we talked last week about, hey, everybody's kind of getting scared if you put your money just into cash, and then maybe we're smart with, you know, rolling treasuries like you do, or use some sort of short-term treasury ETF or a high-yield savings account, like that works too. But how do you really maximize dollars that you want to grow if you are doing it for the long term right so i know you are such a huge fan of large cap companies and that's total sarcasm because you really like the small caps and that's i like i like large cap companies they're great but this was a question i was talking about with someone recently who they're not complaining about their 401k but they're like Look, the 401k only has mutual fund options, which it's fair. Like they're run by 401k companies and they keep everything pretty diversified. They're not going to let people go in and like throw money into small cap stuff. They're now, I mean, some liabilities. Yeah. But it's mostly, you know, mutual fund esque type of investment options. So if you were that person, with 401k at some mega giant company, let's just, I don't know, call it Dow Chemical. You have a huge 401k there. You can only put it into different mutual funds. Some of those mutual funds can be the small cap exposure type funds, but how would you make your 401k allocation with just mutual funds? Like what would you look at first? Means. Mm interesting question for the 401k because you want it to be safer i don't know if i would do a big portion into a small cap allocation like 10 percent percent total okay you got to be investing outside of your 401k like that's just the answer the answer is just like don't invest everything in your 401k or like invest outside of it um and so take, take a pause there i think Get as much free money as you can. So get up to now, yes. So you can match and then even over that max out and it helps your tax situation if you're gonna defer that much, which is great. So put what is reasonable into the 401k. But I also agree, yeah, invest outside of it and then you have a ton more control. The question is supposed to be restrictive on purpose. Like, yes, I know there's a million better ways to invest. You are only limited to options into the 401k. So this guy brought up a good point where it's like, which mutual funds do I choose? Like, what's a good allocation? And I mean, good is relative and different for every single person, but you were on the right track there with what I wanted you to say, which is like, okay, if I put 10% in a small cap and then I did what? Yeah. Uh, so let me backtrack a little bit. In the 401k, it's such a large swath in terms of indexing that really what you want to do is you want to do like call it, I guess it depends on how old you are or where you're at. Target date funds are great. Like if I had 401k, I might just do a target date fund for target retirement. But if you don't want to do that, you're looking at probably 20% international play. 
20% international large cap, uh, 60% U.S. large cap, and 20% uh, bonds. That's probably all I would do. And the reason of the other statement is if you are going to get exposure to small caps, mid caps, more exotic investments, which those are like kind of normal par for the course, but they're exotic relative to a 401k. Yeah. Do it out not even 401k. Your 401k, just do international. So you get some international exposure, do US large cap and do bonds. Like that's what personally, that's what I would do if I didn't have access to a target date fund. Yeah. So what about you? What's your answer there? I similar and be very diversified with everything they had. I have to say that I'm not the biggest fan of a lot of target date funds from what I've just opened them up and seen inside and like their holdings and, you know, this company, that company, there are a ton of target dates that it's, it's similar to VOO, you know, Vanguard ETF of S&P 500. And it's like, oh, big holding of Apple and Microsoft and Amazon, blah, blah, blah. Right. VOO has. And those are good. I think those are phenomenal. There's a few different funds that you might have investment opportunity in like international markets or something else that I've also just looked at and I don't like from what they have inside there. And I mean, there are people that are way smarter than me putting these together. I just think you get a much better, maybe not diversification, but just portfolio. If you stick with this target date fund, but then us large cap and then, um, something that's similar to like a small cap ETF, mid cap. And then you're doing like, in my opinion, 2020, 20, 40. And that 40% is just like the ETF that ma- or the mutual fund that matches VOO the most. I think that's honestly as simple as you can get to it. You can hold four mutual funds inside of your 401k and pretty much match or maybe, you know, scale it up slightly better than what the S&P might do, but you also might fall slightly as well. But if you put like 20% into the tech mutual fund, like some 401ks have that one, and it's just something that might be similar to QQQ or what, you know, companies are in NASDAQ. That took a huge beating in 2022, but it's killing in 2023. So It's a pretty convoluted answer because, yeah, you're right. It's dependent upon age and risk tolerance and objective with the 401k. But I think with the restricted options that people have, if you focus your most attention on giant large cap and then similar to S&P or VOO or QQQ type mutual funds, that's probably the best bet. Really. It is. I think, look, here's the, I mean, people maybe don't, think about what the 401k issue is. 401k, ERISA is the kind of regulation that follows it. There is so much restriction on how much risk you're allowed to take. Mm-hmm. 401ks are designed with their options. They are absolutely designed to keep you from getting above or below average returns. Like when people look at 401ks and they're like, oh, I need to allocate this to get really good returns and yada, yada, yada. Like you are hamstrung to getting average returns. So anything over and above is just overworking and trying too hard. Um, If you're going to get above average returns, I do not think it can be done in a 401k, not long-term. You can maybe do it for a year or two years or something like that. But like you said, you know, you could have gotten above average returns 2020 through 2022 if all of your 401k was in some large cap tech heavy weighted thing, but then 2023, you got smoked. Um, and you're still technically pretty smoked on a lot of that. Um, and so like you're so overly diversified in a 401k and those options, so overly diversified that diversing the funds inside of it, it's like shuffling a deck of cards three times and then thinking that you're making the cards more mixed up by shuffling them again. You're just not, you're just adding work and effort to yourself. So yeah, in my mind, it's like, just minimize the amount of options you're doing there, except that you're going to get average returns. There's a tax break you're getting that technically makes it above average in the long term, and take your tax savings and go invest that somewhere else. 
Yeah. yeah. No, I think absolutely right. It's just, I don't know. Talk to us. Talk to a financial advisor. Do whatever you want. But you do need to come up with some sort of strategy. And I, this might be controversial, do believe there's an appropriate plan for each person. So if you're like, oh, I'm 33 and I've got two kids and I want to work at this company for the next 20 years and here's how I feel about investments, I'm super aggressive, then there's a perfect allocation for you and people need to pick that out. Um, but that was just a really good question. I thought we'd do the Q&A a little bit earlier and this was just more of a one-on-one combo I had, like I said, with that guy earlier in the week, but it's important. It really is. I mean, that's the account that most people can bank their retirement off of especially if they don't live in canada where everybody's just putting it into a stupid condo in downtown toronto which is horrible so use your 401k people special 401k right that's good man that's a good wrap up we got anything else we need to cover uh i had one thing and we can cover this next over next pod what do you want we cover it now i didn't know what we're where we at on time we're doing good on time uh, if you stop answering the door and hopped on the podcast on time, we're doing great. Heck yeah. <laughs> well, I'm idle. Braden tells me what to do because I'm the operational guy, but look, man, the operational guy knows there's minutes that people can have in their sleep schedule every day in the middle of the day. Guess how they feel about starting this podcast? Super I, think late. I think it's different, man. I think the operational guy just tells me what to do. And then I go, yeah, sure. <laughs> Bell Wing. I want you to tell me big picture and then my oh my sweet spot is you say okay connor i have this problem and then i'm like tell me more <laughs> i'm gonna take that away i want to be the and that just bring. all right so here's the last thing because i know i'll forget it for next pod so we'll do it right here this is the favorite company game that you love okay i'm gonna give you basically the fastest version of earnings report for a company that technically is in public Okay. Uh, tens and tens and tens is not public. Tens and tens and tens, or maybe hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. Okay. Okay. Margins, 40%. Okay. Okay. You see these items everywhere in the store. You can see them in gas stations. You can see them in grocery stores. You can find some marketing, a ton of marketing for them in the most random places. They have some of the highest viewed YouTube videos or videos on the internet in the world, in history of videos on the internet. There are zero limits or regulations put in place for you to go out and start your own company just like this. I shouldn't say zero. There's a few, but a lot less than its competitors. You talking candy bars or something? Oh, you're close. Not candy bars. Sports drinks? Talking, not sports drinks. I'm talking about energy drinks. Oh, specifically energy drinks. Okay. Specifically energy drinks. Now, is it we, Prime? Are you? Is this Prime? Prime is one of the companies. I'm talking about a company called Celsius. That uh, probably, uh, Jake Paul, baby. Jake Paul. Jake Paul is Celsius? Yes. And Logan Paul is Prime. Oh, I didn't know Jake Paul was Celsius. That's interesting. I should have probably done a little bit more digging. But yeah, look at these mega superstars that have an audience of tons and tons of kids or teenagers, whatever, they're not going to promote an alcoholic beverage or even partner or do anything like that. But they are going to attach themselves to a product that has higher margins than alcohol, which everybody wants to do alcohol because that looks prestigious and they do have some pretty good margins, but they are not making as much money as energy drinks. Monster Energy is a publicly traded company and it has outperformed Apple in the last 20 years. Yeah. That is insane. People are addicted. They dig it. They're addicted. There is no quote unquote study to show that like, oh, it is addicting, but you just get hooked 
based off like in a habitual, I need to drink caffeine or get wired in a certain way. I think we are going to see over the next five years, mega superstars who are typically like, hey, start your own alcohol brand. And that's prestigious and it looks good. Like your Ryan Reynolds and everyone else start to partner with energy drinks. Like I just saw a video with LeBron James who was promoting some like super good water that he partnered with. And like he's doing the water thing because he's an athlete and he hydrates. And athletes themselves would even stay away from like these energy drinks because they're like, oh, that's pro- that's like not good for you. Yeah. There's too much money here that it's just going to be the low that, that it's going to stay to be the Logan and Jake Pauls. And I bet if you started a company, an energy drink company, and you're like, this is the healthy energy drink. And that's your whole brand is like healthy energy, like healthy caffeine. Like, oh, don't do a monster or a Red Bull because they just wire you up and you crash and you like, don't feel healthy drinking any of it. But if you built up a whole brand that was super, super healthy and you kind of targeted maybe the older crowd and it was still super effective, like I think if Ryan Reynolds created that, that would be the next billion dollar company. So if you start that, figure out everything you needed to do to build that brand, go to Ryan Reynolds and say, hey, I'll give you 50 to 80% of the company and then cash that check well you know the one that would sell more than anything there's one person in this world that would sell more than all of those people combined and here was gonna be a swifty it's gonna be called swifty it's gonna be taylor swift energy drink okay that's where okay let me look into it because the research and stuff that i did in terms of demographic it's like 80 85 males drink these energy what do girls use i don't know girls go to and then they used, I don't know. So that might be a play. Like, yeah, it's a very untapped demographic. Taylor Swift is just like on everybody's mind right now because she's she's her. But, okay, so let me take one step back for you because you, you may not have seen this. You've seen Mr. Beast and his candy bars and the conversations he's had? Not, not the conversations. What do you mean? I watched the conversation that he had with the All In Pod guys, Chamath and all of those guys. He did like a fireside chat on a stage in front of a big crowd with them. And it was very interesting him talking about it. I mean, he is smoking Celsius. I think he did like 900 million in revenue or something with candy bars. And what was so funny was they were asking him, they were like, why candy bars? And he was like, well, there hasn't been any innovation in candy bars for like a hundred years. And they were like, okay, aren't you worried that anybody's going to compete? And he was like, no, the people that own those companies are dead. Nobody cares about the product. So there's just room to come in and take over and he's taking over um and he's going to do that mr beast has mr beast owns small children's minds every small child knows mr beast like more so than logan jake paul whatever right he is like the number one guy on youtube anything that can be sold to children legally safely mr beast is going to own and he was talking about what kids do with prime with logan paul's prime he was like yeah kids will it's so It was so prestigious in the beginning that kids would find a Prime at some store, they would buy it, and then they would take it to school and sell it for a 4X markup because other kids couldn't find it. And like making it hard to find in stores was good too, you know? Like, Smart. Kids barter. Kids, yeah. It's a, uh, that's interesting. So those people, I mean, they're playing on the minds of, it's rude and borderline wrong, but they can make a ton of money doing it. So, okay. Yeah. So, Prime Celsius, even with like kids. And it's good that it's just like not a age restricted item, like a beer or something. But you have a ton of adults that are 20s, 30s, 40s drinking these energy drinks. Yeah. And I think if you came out with like the super healthy version, and it was a little bit more prestigious and you didn't straight up market it to kids and you made Red Bull, Monster, Celsius, you made them look childish and you just captured the up, upstream market, older market, that's pretty clutch. And I don't think, I don't think, the idea is not new. No. 
this is where this is where brand moats come into play from Warren Buffett. Yeah. Warren Buffett looked at Coca-Cola and everybody was talking about, oh, I'm going to put something on the shelves that's going to be better than Coca-Cola and it's, more people are going to buy it than Coca-Cola. And he was just like, no amount of money you put into this brand will beat Coca-Cola. Um, you got to be very careful about how, what, what, who you choose to take on, right? If you want to take on Red Bull, how much money would it take to take on Red Bull? I don't know. The money, uh, you're get it there. It, that's why you have to take like a completely different brand of energy drink, right? Because it takes so much money from Monster and Red Bull to just like compete with each other. And Red Bull makes videos of dudes jumping out of spaceships in space and floating back to Earth to just be like Red Bull, you know? They but they just print money. Yeah, they do. So if you are fine with not being that guy competing with Red Bull, but it said you just made a drink that was energy drink and you came, or you made the brand closer to like, oh, it's healthy living lifestyle or even like you said, Swifty and you address the entire woman population on earth with an energy drink and you just find some awesome female founder, start the company technically with her, but make her the face and then connect a huge female celebrity like Taylor Swift to do it as well. Like, I think that would just clean up. Yep. Not novel. It's definitely hard, but if you could do it, that's big time. Yeah. Anyway, that's my soapbox. I'm off of it. We got to hop off. Appreciate everybody listening. Thank you guys. Checking out the pod and feel free to share it. That would be great. That'd be super fun. Mm -hmm. Are cool, super great, fun by you guys. 